0: Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Maddie Peverell, and I'm not joined by my co-host this week, Marky Davison. Marky Davison's often doing some sporting commitments, but I do actually have I do actually have a special guest, someone that's familiar to the BTSC family, someone that's also got a global perspective, someone that's part of the Commonwealth like me. And that is mr owen david britsburg owen david welcome to btsc live And in a way if you like one of the live youtube shows it's good to have you Jaredevil's first in the live chat he always is but you know it's late for you owen but yeah welcome to the show today with me
1: uh, thank you very much mate thanks for the opportunity to come on as well really been looking forward to this all day so yeah it should be cool and hi to Jaredevil and brian brown as well in the live chat hi guys <laughs>
0: Awesome. Awesome stuff. It's pretty late for you too. So, Steeler fans, BTSC listeners, the BTSC friends of Britsburg Owen as well. Um, you know, Owen David, you know, he's definitely taken some time out of the day for us at very late part of the day. But look, Owen, you're someone that's very familiar to a lot of the BTSC listeners. Whether they're hearing a question, one of the nine questions you've given Jeff Hartman, you know, as part of his Let's Ride on a Wednesday, <laughs> whether it's the comments that you do on the live shows, um, might be other things that you tweeted us as well. I think you, you know, you definitely um, keep us on on our toes, and you definitely have got that passion as well um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers but that like begs the you know the straight question out there and we will get to the topics of the show listeners as well whether you're on the audio side or the live side but how did you become a Pittsburgh steel fan you know what's your what's your tie to Pittsburgh
1: so it was back well 1988 um, I was about what 10 years old 10 11 years old the channel 4 started showing an um, NFL highlights package in the UK with um, Mick Luckhurst, who was a former kicker for the Atlanta Falcons okay. and uh, just got into watching that, and then because I got into NFL, um, decided, well, I've got to pick a team. Um, did a bit of because I'm a bit of a nerd, um, in studying things. Um, going to sort of looking back at the back of the history, really appreciate the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers as the 70s team. You know, the, the way they played the game, very working class, very blue collar, like the area that I'm from in, in England. Um, so a lot of common things between Pittsburgh and Sunderland, where I'm from in the northeast of England, very blue, very blue collar, very working class. Um, And just also love the black and gold as well. So since 88, just been a follower of the Steelers and even though they did actually suck that season, I think it was six and 10. They finished that season.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, So I guess we've got to ask the question and I know we're a Steelers podcast, but uh, who's your, who's your English football team. If we're going to ask that question Uh, for my sins, Sunderland AFC, Right, 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 right. So uh, you, uh, you don't really like Newcastle, then, right? <laughs> no, I, <can't> stand them. <laughs> I actually had a second, I think, second cousin the play for Sunderland mm-hmm. back in two thousand and six. It was a striker, and then he got like, re- you know, traded off to someone else. Anyway, that's a fun story for another time that I don't actually know that many details about. But look, let's get into some Steelers stuff. I think that's yep. awesome. Um, and, you know, you, and you, you and I have, I like, guess, similar similar pathway into the nfl you know with this international exposure it's funny that you talked about a show there hosted by before we get into some of the topics of the show you know you do you do some shows that you produce on your own sort of britsburg you know um britsburg network and what have you how would you i would love to get just in a couple of minutes your take on the steelers you know off season so far and i think it's you know, I'd love to hear about it from the free agency perspective, some of the draft prospects that they're meeting or they're rumored to have been in talks with, and just your just summation of of how you feel going into the season. I asked this question of um, Mark a couple of weeks ago as well. And, and to the effect of how, how much do you think the record for the Steelers might've changed? So if you, let's say you thought going into this, going in at the end of the season, you thought going to 2022, they were, you know, nine and eight team, at, you know, has that improved? Has that gone down? So yeah, I'd be keen to know how's free agency gone? How are you, are you excited by some of the prospects they seem to be really focused in on? And, and where do you see those prospects going into 2022?
1: Yeah. Just, I think the free agency period has been really, yeah, very on Pittsburgh Steeler like, hasn't it? You know, so much, uh, so much going on um uh really excited uh, james daniels is someone i'm really looking forward to seeing play uh love the love the way this guy talks i mean if you listen to him he, he talks mm-hmm. like a leader already he talks about earning respect he talks about just not earning respect on the, the offensive side of the ball but defensive side of the ball as well i think he really could be the voice of leadership that we need on that on that um offense that's very very inexperienced a lot of young players um miles jack and I'm really excited to see Miles Jack and Devin Bush play together. They they remind me with their mobility like the, the two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had in the season they won the Super Bowl. Quickly. Yeah, I agree like
0: completely. Yep, yeah, love it.
1: Um, and I think Levi Wallace is going to be a sleeper as well. I think he's someone who, you know, he's got that understanding with Minka from, from Bama when they were there together. And really looking forward to seeing him play as well. But, you know, still one or two areas of concern, um, wide receivers still, you know, for me... They're lacking in that position that when you, when Cody White's your wide receiver three, you, you know, and there's no real slot receiver there unless they play for Pat Freyamuth there. Um, and so obviously, strong safety is a big one going forward into the draft, whether it's we draft someone or whether we still pick up someone in free agency, who knows? Yeah, exactly. And so, what about the what about
0: the draft picks that they seem to be in talks with right now and they're taking the visits from? And you know, do, do they inspire you? Do they deflate you? How, what do you think about those? <coughs>
1: Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I've been a, i have been I mean, there was a bit of I mean, I was Des, Des Ridder fan since, um, the start of last season. I watched some of his college game. Um, so he would be someone that would be, a, I think, a late first round if we traded back or would be a second round pick. He, he's someone who does excite me, who I think given a year to learn could definitely come through because he's, he's got, he's got the NFL size, he's got the arm, he's got the mobility. Um, I'm not controversial thinking. I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan. I think he's got a very high se- high floor but low ceiling. I don't think yeah. he's got a lot more development in him now. Um, and I can see a lot of potential in Malik Willis, but it's how long you're prepared to wait for this guy to come through. Um, you know, he, he's, what, I think I Maybe mean, a couple of years before he's ready to start um, in the NFL. So, but yeah, there's been some interesting people. Been, there was one today, was it, they said, was it... Um, that risks running back, uh, Hassan something. Mark Hassan. Ah, uh, ha- um, Hassan Haskins from Michigan. Yeah, apparently they, he was being taken out for dinner as well by um, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. So he could, that, that's interesting, especially as we do need someone to back Najee up. So because we can't run Najee like we did last season, because you'll just you'll end up getting injured, which is just not what we need. Hundred
0: percent, and that's something that Mark and I have talked about a lot on this show. I'm, you know, a big proponent of is there's got to be management of snaps across your stars, right? And and you know whether it's Najee Harris, whether it's TJ Watt, I mean, even Minka to a degree, um, but definitely Cameron Haywood, They can't be playing ninety percent plus of the snaps. That's just uh, you're not going to get. You're going go deep, going go deep into the playoffs. So you're going to yeah. have an early playoffs injury if you're doing that. Um, we saw that with Lavell, you know, a few years back, right? Um, yep. And George, Tess in the live chat, you know, brings up correctly. Yes, that Spillane has signed his um, tender today, so that, that's positive. That gives us a bit of depth there. It takes the pressure off potentially drafting a linebacker, which is something we'll uh, we'll get to a little bit later on. And yep. still, Curtin brings up, do you think you guys, do you guys think they will draft a running back? Well, that's something we probably might address in some of the content to come. So you'll have to stay tuned for that one. Um, so, oh, and I guess with with some of these rookies in mind that you know, as I said, we've talked about there some of the free agents in mind as well. You know, how are you feeling going into the season? As as I alluded to earlier, has that has your perception of what the record looks like changed? Has it remained the same when you factor in that we don't have the franchise quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger, who even with a aging arm can still you know win six <laughs> games by you know on the fourth quarter um you know yeah how, how are you feeling going into 2022?
1: Yeah, I'm optimistic I, I I, think you know there's a lot of rubbish been spoken about the fact you know we've oh you've got the worst quarterback in the AFC North so you're going to be fourth but you've just got to look at that even without a strong safety look at that defense that we've got that defense that is a scary defense and you know, you can have the best quarterback in the world, but if he's constantly got the likes of TJ Watt, Cam Haywood, Stephen Tewitt, if he's back, Alex Highsmith in his face, he's not going to be able to throw the ball very well, is he? So can't go through his reads, can't go through his progressions. So with that defense there, I've got utmost confidence. And also I think none of us really know what Mitchell Trubisky is going to be like next season. We've, you know, we've only got to hope that That time in Buffalo working under Dabol and Ken Dorsey and working alongside Josh Allen has had a real benefit on him. And if you listen to what he's been saying in terms of his mindset's changed, the things that were holding him back in Chicago under an awful head coach like Matt Nagy have gone now. So, you know, I'm positive about that. Yeah. and, And I completely agree with you there. And I don't
0: know. I don't know if he is the worst. Quarterback in the in the AFC North, and that might sound controversial, but uh, you know, I think when you look at Lamar and you look at the you know his arm and what have you. Don't get me wrong; you can certainly throw the football. You know, in terms of you know depth and distance, but you know, I I like a lot of what I see from Trubisky and extending the play. Right? Like, I like I, I think you know a lot of the things that I saw hyped about Zach Wilson and the way he can move around and sling the ball, and I'm not saying Zach Wilson's done enough in the league yet. And I'm also not saying Trubisky's necessarily, I mean, they're both picked number two. I'm not saying Trubisky moves around as well as Zach Wilson. I've not nearly watched enough tape on them both to make that full assessment. However, what I I have seen flashes of that similarity where they can extend the play, they can sling the ball on an, on an angle. they you know, they'll be able to throw someone open. You know, I I'm really excited by that opportunity. I think you, you know, you brought a name up before in Pat Friermuth. Well, you know, you look at the way that the tight ends were used, you know, they're all they were try, tried to be used. You looked at the way like he tried to throw the football as well. You look at the way – I talked about this on War Room a few weeks back in the four weeks ago where I talked about the role of the tight end as well and the way that that position needs to improve in terms of we're not getting nearly enough yards out of that position. Mm. And if you look at – the Super Bowl winners from the Patriots through the Eagles through to, you know, what Kelsey does with Kansas city. And then you look at even what, what Tampa Tampa did in the way they've used a few different players, but they have, they even brought in Gronk back to be able to do it. And then, and then you look now, or even the, what the Rams tried to do to a degree, you've seen this evolution and the way Bengals use, you know, as Moa, the tight end becomes really crucial. And I yeah. do know that there's a lot of linkages there for Trubisky. So, that excites me as someone that really thinks the tight end position is quite underrated and who thinks Freemuth is a, you know, could be a top five to top three, um, you know, tight end in the league, you know, as this career goes on. So I set you an interesting, well, I set us an interesting task and it's what we're going to cover in the show today. So BTSC listeners, what what Owen and I have done, and we're going to go through this and we'd love questions from the live chat too. We'll try and answer them. I think everyone's really keen on who which player is going to be drafted here, which player is going to be drafted there. Um, and before I do this, I do actually have to bring up Brandon Chanis. I think it is the right way to pronounce it from the, from the Facebook side. He says, today's my birthday. I will be 40 happy birthday, Brandon. You know, that breaks up a really good number there. That's a Spillane. Is Spillane numbers. This no, he's number 41. We don't have a 40 on the roster right now. Right. We may do. We may do with some of the number changes that are going to have to happen, but happy birthday. Um, from everyone here at BTSC. But moving back to what we're going to discuss. So there's a lot of mock drafts that you're seeing produced by, you know, Yamel Kuypers, you know, there's a mock draft article that goes up on BTSC um, each week. That's steelcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. All these different mock drafts that are being done, fans are doing them. You know, I always get you know joked about because in the BTC Slack channels, I do a bunch of trades and work out how to get thirteen <laughs> picks. But I'm offered them all, right? And that it's not it's not a crazy thing. It does happen. You see teams with you know eight eight plus picks, nine, ten picks, and I just see value in trading back. And, and the stats to me show that you look at Super Bowl winning teams over the last six seven years, they're getting key you know contributions outside their big guys from second and third round picks, the hit rate on first round picks is not that great. In fact, there was an NFL tape heads part of the NFL network um, podcast in the last couple of weeks, and it talked about it. It said there's generally only 10 to 15 players that are worthy of the first round grade in any given draft. And, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, you know, Owen as well, because I think when you look at it, it's those last 15 picks, which is where the Steelers traditionally pick. And it's why there's so much controversy. Sometimes those guys are second round guys, but maybe they feel a need. I mean, I don't know. I do. Well, how do you feel when when you hear that sort of an insight?
1: I think, yeah, I definitely think there's some truth truth in that. Um, you know, you've got to look at some of, our, I suppose, what Terrell Edmonds been a classic example of that. You know, if, if he gets a lot of criticism if he'd been a second or third round pick, he wouldn't be getting the criticism he gets now. I don't think, but uh, yeah, it does seem there's a very hit and miss with the drafters, especially in the quarterbacks as well. You know, you look at some of the quarterbacks that are taken in that first round and who were very highly thought of coming out of college, but then just end up being a complete bust in the NFL. Um, past years, this was, you know, absolutely, you know, J.P. Loesman, um, who else, um, Ryan Leaf, people like that, who've just been absolute busts going through. So, yeah, it's very much a hit and miss. And just because they look good in college, it's, NFL is just a complete different level. And, you know, just because you shine in the college game doesn't mean you're going to shine in the pro game. and, you know, uh,
0: uh, that's exactly it. Like, and and you look at those quarterback positions, you look at, and you know, it's funny about Terrell Edmonds. Like, I was not a fan of him going through the first three years, but you actually, if I don't, you know, some listeners may be familiar with this, but Pro Football Reference do an AV rating and approximation value, right? That They assign to someone given their season and it's ranked on their performance and it's, it's, I guess, scaled against other people in that position and other people in the league and what they've done. If you actually look at picks between 29 to 2019 going back to, I think it's 2014. So they did five years of first round picks. They do an average AV for the players drafted in the first round. Now at safety, I think it's like a 5.2. And I think Terrell is averaging like a 5.4. So he's actually, despite what every fan might say about what we see on tape, because he doesn't get picks, he's actually delivering you know what a safety is expected to do in the first round, like not, and, and I think the Steelers fans, you know, it's like when we talk about the outside linebacker position, we are used to having a Troy Polamalu, you know, someone yeah. that's going to be the best at the position in the league. Just because we don't, just because Terrell Edmonds isn't the best in the league, he might be one of the top ten, we see that as a bust, and it, it's it's this funny, you know, sort of mindset that um, that we can adopt. But I want to get back to back to what we prepared. So what? owen and i have done is there's two particular sites there's many many different sites you can get mock drafts on but there are two that you know i often use that i feel over the last few years give me a pretty good feel for it and it's not pff because if you actually don't mock drafting pff they scale this to where everybody picks it's not about the consensus of where everyone picks it's about looking at what people actually scouting the the positions are um and i can't have any faith in a site that doesn't even count sacks properly for the NFL. So I pushed away PFF. So what Owen and I have done is we've done two, two drafts, one with the draft network and their mock draft. And we've done one with pro football network who, Often, you know, they seem to get a lot of the the kudos for having probably the the, the better mock draft or the better rankings because a lot of these mock drafts are decided by rankings. And so it's very interesting when you run a mock draft in December versus when you run a mock draft in April and where people go. In fact, there's yeah. a lot of fluctuation. There's people that move from top 10, top 20 into into 60. And you'll see that in how it's going. And and you know, like there's a cornerback like Mikhail Wright, for example, out of Oregon. And one of those two sites, he's ranked a prospect ranked 222. If you go back three or four months, he's a prospect ranked in the top 100 and sometimes in the top 60. And he's someone that will probably be a very good cornerback in the league, but he's sitting there at 222 Mm -hmm. right now. So that's kind of where, and, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. Kalen Dibideaux is another one. First round pick, you know, six months ago, not a first round pick. Now people are saying that because coaches starting to look at the tape and go, he doesn't necessarily have what it takes. Um, You know, he's might be a bit limited. He might be more Jadavian clowny like in the NFL and all those sorts of things. So we're going to run you through our picks there. And then what we also did is for pro football network, we did a draft where we were happy or uh, well, we'll see what Owen's results were, but we're, we were happy to accept a trade in round one if we were offered it. No, we didn't go out there and seek it ourselves. We were happy to accept it, and it'll be interesting to see what the results of that war- that that the, that being offered that are, and the way that Owen and I might approach that if we were in the GM's position. Yeah. So I think it makes sense to start with probably. Um, the draft network first, because we've only done one draft with them because trades weren't possible in the way that we set it up. Now there's a couple of caveats the way Owen And I did this. Um, We did this on their predictive rankings. We did all seven rounds and we also did it in fast mode. So it was about gut reaction. It wasn't about sitting there and thinking who's taking this, who's taking where now we may have applied that, but we did it in as fast as a simulation as possible, but in the way that we did it. Um, I basically took an approach with my drafts of best player available while thinking about the, the cornerback wide receiver needs. I took less emphasis on a corner a quarterback. Owen, oh, is there any sort of caveats
1: that you took to these, to these mock drafts that you did? Yeah. So again, I very much worked on the sort of best player available at the positions of need in that round, not necessarily the best player available. Cause you know, sometimes it's an edge rusher. Sometimes it's someone we just don't need in those early rounds. So yeah. Definitely taking sort of looking at best player available in that round at that position. Cool. All right. So I want to kick off with you, and we're going to do it round to round as
0: we go through go okay. through these. So um, I would love to know um, here
1: who in, for the draft network you had in round one. Uh, Duxton Hill, um, safety out of Michigan. <laughs> Absolutely. <Okay. perfect> <laughs>
0: Interesting, because I've seen, so I heard some interesting stuff this week that, I mean, if some people will sit there and go, you know, that's crazy, but I did hear from some NFL pundits around the fact that, you know, Daxton Hill could potentially, right, if, depending on the team, particularly if they want to play a left and right safety, Daxton Hill could come off the board before Kyle Hamilton.
1: Yeah. What do you, what I do you think th- about that as, someone that as someone that likes Daxton Hill? I, I mean, I can see that totally because Daxton, Daxton Hilly, he's lightning quick. I mean, he's got cornerback speed. There's a lot of people said that he could actually even play cornerback. That's how quick he is. Um, He's also, yeah. been, he's also been described as being very much like the honey badger as well, the, the young version of the honey badger. So I think, he, yeah, he will rise up the rankings. He's got a good football education at Michigan as well. Um, Definitely could see him... Carl hamilton seems to i don't know just recently seems to have his stock falling despite people talking about him being like a future hall of famer already so it's interesting that definitely
0: yeah interesting um i'm going to give you one guess who do you think
1: i took at number 20. um oh, some go on tell me <laughs> i took Devin lloyd oh, <laughs> he oh, was yeah.
0: sitting there on the Devin, board yeah. for me um I find it hard when he's in a mock draft not to take Devin yeah. Lloyd. And and when I think about it, and I think about Miles Jack and the speed that he's got, and I think about someone like Devin Lloyd and the versatility he's got, and I think about Devin Bush costing $10 million, which has got to be decided, I think it's two days after the draft ends. Yeah. You save $10 million. Like, that $10 million next year on the cap might be the difference between, particularly if you don't have a to it, that that's like 20 million. That's a top wide receiver. That's someone yeah. where you if Trubitsky has a good year, you can pay him and you don't have to worry about everyone else. That's money that you can give to Minka. That you know, there's a lot of things you can do with that money. Um, and so I I continue to find it hard if Devontae Wyatt or Devin Lloyd are on the board yeah. to bypass them. And I think did you did you happen to note down who was some of the other the picks in, in that first round by some of the other teams? Yeah, um just um, find it on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So who who was picked ahead of Daxton Hill for you? I'd love to know if you just run through the run through the order.
1: So let me just find it on my phone. Uh who's picked ahead of Daxton Hill? So Hill went at twenty. So it was my pick at 20. Uh, ahead of him was um Zion Johnson. Um he went at 18. Penning at 17 to the Chargers. Charles Cross, offensive tackle at the 16 to the Saints. Straight London to the, White, to the Eagles at 15, for example. Yep. Uh, who was 19? 19 was Jameson Williams to the Saints, which I yep. which I don't think is realistic. I don't think he'll fall that far. Yeah. Well, this is it with that injury.
0: I mean, because mine, you know, everyone will sit to go, where was Malik Willis? Well, Malik Willis was drafted second by the Detroit Lions, which I by the day, I think is more likely. I just, I, I think, it, you know, I just can't. And it's interesting, like, and, you know, Devin Lloyd is pretty much consensus, the top, you know, linebacker in this. And, and he fell, right? And I just think that that is a position of need that we've addressed with Miles Jack, but we're not really addressed it long-term. Um, and so that that was what was interesting for me uh, from that perspective. I'm just trying to pull up where Kobe Dean fell um, in my draft. Yeah, Malik because... Willis went second in mine as well. Yeah, I think this is the way that, um, and this is where we talk about rankings, right? That you do mock drafts on other sites, and it'll be interesting when we talk about PFN in the, in the in a moment and where they're putting Malik Willis. But you know, I listen to a lot of the draft network, and I'm not surprised that's where this ranking has shifted them in the, shifted in the predictive analysis um, from that perspective. So, yeah, look, I, th- I think let's. Uh, who else did you? Let's move on and let's try and go quite quick fire now through the rest of the results. Who did you have in the second round? At uh, so in the 52? second
1: round, um, I was stunned that he was here. So took, uh, took Des Ritter.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. I think in my one here, I think he was taken at 40. Yeah. Seattle took Des... How about this? Seattle took Desmond Ritter at 40 and then took Christian Watson at 41. So they <laughs> immediately got better. Ritter to the Seahawks is something I'm hearing a lot of yeah. similar sort of style fit with how they drafted Wilson. I had our other favorite on the board. I've doubled down on defense. I had Travis Jones. Yay. I just thought fifty-two <laughs> and not knowing where Stefan Tuit is, how could you pass up Travis Jones at the moment? I think they've done enough on the O line to get by this year, you know. But if the, that defensive line doesn't improve, we're going nowhere real fast. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I had Travis Jones.
1: Who did you have in the third round at pick number eighty-four? Uh, someone again who's I think draft stock is going to rise. I don't think he'll go in the third. I think he could go. Alec Pierce, wide receiver at Cincinnati. Love
0: him. I talked about him this week on War and yeah, completely did, yeah. agree. Um, yeah, this was hard for me. There are a few wide receivers on the board, but I still felt that corner was an issue. Is where we stood today. So I actually picked a name, and I probably picked him a little bit higher for most people. But eighty to one hundred and twenty is probably a fair representation for him. But I picked Alonte Taylor. He's about six foot two, 196-ish pounds. Um, out of oh, Tennessee, I think, with him. Um, really good cornerback, ran fast. I think he ran in the four-fours. Um, I just think he's someone that immediately you can put in this room as probably the third cornerback if you had to right now and develop him. Uh I, I just I found it too hard to pass up a cornerback there, particularly with the way the rankings fell, um, you know, with, with the draft network at that point and the cornerbacks that weren't off the board. They did have um Goodrich out of Clemson ahead of him, but I didn't. I don't like Goodrich's me- measurable so much, and there's some things there that I think Alonte Taylor is a better long-term prospect. Yeah. So who did you have in round four at 138 through the so draft? Round,
1: the round four took uh, just someone I thought was a solid defensive uh, defensive line, Matt Henningson out of Wisconsin. Big yeah.
0: Guy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. He's someone that I, I, he's been one of those guys on my list that I'm like, I need to do more going into the draft with him. I like him in the fourth and the fifth. Uh, I just haven't had the chance to get into him. So I'm glad that you talked about that name. I, I, I might even try and look at that for Warren this week. it was, it was, just,
1: it was just someone who I heard that he was a big mauler. He's he just there as the sort of player we need if we're going to develop the running game. That's what I heard about him. And he went up heard someone talk about him. I can't remember who it was now, but yeah. He was that, yeah, that mauler we need. Exactly, exactly. I
0: then had... Um, in so for me, in the fourth, I had a player who's not going to be there in the fourth. He's probably a top 60 pick, and people are going to go, What the hell? But if you actually look, he's been fit through the process, he is got better measurables than Tyler Lindebaum. Uh, you know, there's people on this BTSC network that will argue to the cows come home with me, but I'm hearing this from people that are hearing things from league sources. You know, he's aggressive, he's fast. He's got the arm length, you know. He's rocketed up the boards, and that's Cam Jurgens. If he's sitting there at 138, well, you go. And I know still has got into your offensive line. I know that you know you want to probably address tackle, but this is a guy that you are building around. This is better than a Mason Cole after a year's worth of experience. Yep. You can red shirt him if you didn't like Kendrick Green last year. You know, then you you can't not be on on you know Cam Jurgens there. Um, out of I think he's in a. I think he's from
1: where he played. Um, Yeah. So who did you have in the fifth, Owen? In the fifth, took another wide receiver. uh, Tanner Connor, wide receiver out of Idaho. Someone else I like. Um, Quick, um, you know, good guy. Got got good stats. 17 and a half yards. Average receptions in college. So yeah, decent. I think someone to bring into the wide receiver room to add depth to that wide receiver room.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, I took a wide receiver as well. I took Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. Now I know people are a bit iffy about Baylor wide receivers, but he's someone that's incredibly fast. I think he can do He can. he runs routes pretty well. Um, you know, he's someone that I think is going to make a difference. He does have to probably put on 15 pounds, I think to play well in the NFL, but like you look at the size and weight of Jamar chase and it's very similar to, to Tycon there from
1: a weight perspective he did perfectly fine in the NFL and blocked well. So he's uh, he is absolutely lightning quick, isn't he? Absolutely. Was it 427 or something? You ran yeah. A
0: and this is the thing if you, if you got to think when you put on size, you will get a little bit slower. So even if you put on 15 pounds, he's probably running a 44 four, and he's probably got a bit of weight, more weight behind him, right? So I, I know I like, I like the fit there. Um, you can do stuff there. Who'd you have in round six?
1: In six, I took someone you actually were talking about the other day, Amare Barno, Edge Rusher out of Virginia Tech. Just, uh, again, big guy, good backup. Um, He ran us a 4.36 yard 40 as well. He's explosive. I thought he'd be a good depth piece to put behind TJ and Alex.
0: Well, I agree with you because I drafted him there with the seventh pick myself. So, um, but my sixth pick was Mikael Wright. I talked about it a little bit earlier. If, if he's sitting there at pick 225 and you don't take that man, well, you need your head red read as far as I'm concerned. So, um, who, all right. So who was your final pick of the draft with uh, with the draft network?
1: So final round was just go, went for best player available on the board at that point, uh, cornerback Kyler McMichael.
0: Yeah, like it. Like it. Yeah, it's interesting to see what the live chat as well. You know, I think Corey probably would love this draft that I've done right now. You know, he's talking about Jurgens in the fifth as well. I don't think enough people are on Jurgens. That's that's the thing. And I think it, you know, if you're sitting there in third or fourth, a team is going to get, he's going to be a steal of this draft. He is going to be like a Trey Smith that, you know, the the Chiefs draft last year as well. I agree with some of the live chat talk about guys falling. This is it. The 20th pick is great. It's not the 25th pick. You, We are in a position to see someone fall or, you know, if someone falls to 18, 19, maybe they trade up for him. All right. So let's go over to the pro football network side of things. Um, the that we got to do now i don't want to do the one that we ex- were happy to accept a draft pick on i want to do yeah. the one that we both just naturally picked um you know made the picks at. so who did you have at number 20 and well, i want to try and go rapid fire through this because i'm ready okay. to talk about the trade part
1: so in this this one uh someone who fell to me who again someone i just i think would be a good quarterback one future quarterback one uh, andrew booth jr
0: love it love it um, i would i would completely you know take that <laughs> i would take that pick as well. he went 21 in the draft that i did um, yes. which mean, meant that i didn't pick him uh, i big I picked Zion Johnson in this yeah, i was surprised that he fell that late i just thought the
1: versatility on the o line you know you, you just got to do it right um so who'd you have in round two? In round two, uh, you'll love this. Travis Jones, absolute beast. Absolutely love this guy. Since you uh, mentioned him on War Room and went away and did some research and then watched some senior bowl tape and everything, absolutely love this guy. I think he'd be an absolute beast and could replace Tyson Alo alu long-term. Yeah, love it. Uh, I'll give you a guess. Who do you think I took with the 52nd pick? Travis Jones as well? <laughs>
0: but no, no, I didn't in this draft. He was gone, actually. I think, I think right. he went. I think he went at like 40. A maybe um I took Carson Strong. I went the Steelers oh, need a yeah. quarterback. He was the best on the board by that stage. <laughs> Ritter had gone as well. Ritter went at like 49, so it was really interesting. Yeah. But I mean I am a Carson Strong fan, but he's
1: not there later on. Um who'd you go round three? Um someone I think we probably won't go into three, but uh Skymar. I think yeah, right. okay. Steelers have already spoke about how much I think they love, they like Skymore. They've made no secret of that. And the fact that this guy's got like um, Debo Debo Samuel potential, so he can be used all over. I think he could be a real live wire and he's quick. He can take the top off the field. I think it he sounds like a really cracking receiver coming out of Western Michigan. So yeah, Skymore. Interesting. I don't think you'll last that late, but if he was on the board, yeah, you'd be dumb not to take him. Um, I picked a
0: guy that I've liked throughout that he's – I feel like he's going in waves like in terms of, you know, people are really, really on him, then they weren't on him, then he's they're back on him. You know, I think it depends on the evaluation. It's also that there are other names that have sort of just had a bit more draft hype around them. And so I think he could be a steal, particularly even at 84. But I picked Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. I really like what he does. I think it's hard when you've got like, you know, Sauce Gardner next to you and, you know yeah. – his- arguably for some people he's a top three prospect in the overall draft definitely yeah. probably the, the the consensus top cornerback so um you know but I, if you look at the tape kobe bryant did some good things good good, good measurables too
1: so who'd you have what position and who did you have in the fourth so fourth i went for a running back to backup Najee uh, tyler goodson out of iowa um just read some really good things about this guy he's lightning yep. fast um change change direction quite quickly he can spin out of tackles um yeah, he did it ran over a thousand yards in college last year. Just he's he's like I think it's read somewhere that he's got Olympic sprinter speed out off, off the thing. And it's that change of pace back that we need behind Najee that's something that we haven't got now because you know Snell isn't there and Matt gets scratched all the time. So yeah, Tyler Goodson.
0: Yeah, nice. Um and look, I, I wouldn't hate the Steels going that high for a running back. Uh because I, I think you need that and you want to take the pressure off Jubitsky. But I think some still some Steels fans you know, you're probably sitting there going, really? Um, you know, there's other needs. But I understand that. I understand the thought process. So I agree. I took a guy that I liked initially six months ago, then I haven't liked him, and then I feel like I'm getting a bit back on him again. But I took Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. Um, yeah. I just thought that that's a, for him to fall like that um, at that
1: spot is it would be pretty interesting for the Steelers. Who do you have at number five? So number five went for some more ta- uh, tackle depth because um, I'm still not sold on Chooks. Uh, yep. Someone else that you mentioned, a guy called Cordell Volson. Oh, uh, love
0: that pick. Love that pick. Can play inside as well. Yes, please. Yeah. Love
1: Guard, it. Guard tackle flexibility. Everything Mike Tomlin always looks for, isn't it? That position flexibility that Tomlin loves. He's a big guy as well, six 6'6". Um, good run blocker, good pass pro. Oh, so, yeah, it'd be good depth as well, I think. Perhaps long-term replacement for Chukes.
0: And everyone, Owen clearly listens to Warroom because I <laughs> was the first guy i previewed in the first podcast of War Room for the 2021 season. Uh, I have talked about him since, but yeah, I love Cordell Wilson. I just think he's not getting nearly enough hype. Um, and he really impressed at guard, which is interesting because he hadn't played guard since his first year of college. But he was really impressing at the East-West Shrine Bowl. I think that's where, he, that's where he was playing when that happened. And then he backed it up. I don't, can't remember. I think he went to the Seine Bowl, but definitely East-West Shrine game. Um and then who did you – so I had Darian Kendrick there, cornerback out of Georgia. I mean, if he's sitting there that late, and he seems to have just been this – it's it's a bit like, you know, Kobe Bryant. It's this guy that – this name that's completely fallen off the radar in a way, right? And so, you know, I – again, if he's that late – and this is the thing is that you're seeing these players drop, and that may happen on draft day. This stuff does happen. And so it's – who is – and that's where I go back to that – Best player available mentality, but I think I wouldn't hate if the Steels went and got two cornerbacks
1: in this draft, just as if they went and got two wide receivers. Do you think Kendrick drops though because he he's in that Georgia team with so many other stars that he just gets forgotten about because they've got Wyatt and D- Jordan Davis, Channing Tindall and so on and so forth?
0: I think so. He had some off-the-field stuff as well about a year ago. I think before that I think he was a transfer before last season. I, I'm trying to remember maybe it was a Clemson. Um and so you know, from that perspective, I think that falls into it. But yeah, I think it is. It's just everyone else is focused on Georgia. And Georgia's gonna have like fifteen players taken potentially in the first mm. two days of the draft. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. Um so who did you have with the with the final pick? The sixth round. Oh, well, sorry,
1: the last yeah, the last yeah. The last two picks.
0: Who did you have? Tell me uh,
1: the, i had Bo melt melton wide receiver out of rutgers um nice just, again, bit of depth there speed good guy good attitude good character good just someone to again to add depth to that wide receiver room
0: and then who'd you have in the seventh and then i'll give them uh, the two last
1: ones uh myron tag amosa that uh cousin just again for depth in the edge on the edge Russia rusher position yeah,
0: I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I somehow feel like he might be available. He'll either go in the fifth or he'll be like a UDFA. Yeah. Well, I picked a uh, a potential fan favorite, you know, for the Steelers in Connor Haywood um, at Yay. 225. I just thought the versatility there. I hadn't taken a running back. I liked that, you know, they the, could play the third tight end spot as well. And then I picked a guy that I'm seeing some hype from and people are really liking his tape. And I... I actually think he'll be taken higher than he's he's on a lot of people's radar. And that's Kyron Johnson, edge rusher out of Kansas. I needed a bit more on his take, but I am starting to hear from some people that I have a lot of respect for in this draft process. Mm. He's a name that they're starting to talk about a little bit better. And, you know, again, that late, you know, with that potential, I'm happy to take a flyer there. I did also think the Steelers – thought this consistently the Steelers need depth um you know at outside linebacker in you know in the seventh round if there's a guy like that that's got potential why not um particularly now you've got Avery the veteran in that room as well um to support that out all right so I've now thought it was interesting I gave so I gave Owen and myself the parameters of you could accept a trade in the first round and that was it so it wasn't about getting 15 draft picks it was just some because 20 there'll be more teams interested in the 20th pick than I think a lot of people realize right now. Um, or there'll be teams that you know might trade back and then want to trade back up into it. So Owen, I'd love to know who you um what the trade what the trade was, and then we'll go through and um and, and pick them through. And I think you can tell me. Um, yeah, we'll go round by round again, but we've got to Okay,
1: so the trade that was offered uh, was the Bengals. Uh, yeah, it's as, as they don't can't stand them, but you know, took the trade for them. So they who did them. they pick? Who did they pick with the twentieth pick? They let me just find that. They chose. Find it very quickly. Uh, Tyler Underbaum
0: right okay he's got better on the o-line supporter joe burrow okay and so so then how did you go what like actually yeah run me through what what were your seven rounds of picks and then you can react to mine
1: yeah so seven rounds so they, they i got their 31st pick i went for des ridder there because i don't mind taking late on in the first round yeah um, five years not, too. you get five year yep. deal. five deal. even though i did see him some as it chad Roter's draft today where apparently we, we, we traded up to 12 for ridder which i don't think is realistic oh yeah uh, ridiculous 52 uh picked my second round at Jahan Dotson at Penn State um he's a fantastic receiver I've watched a lot of I'm a Penn State fan I've watched a lot of him this year and I think he was really good um someone I don't think would fall to the third round but he was there Bernard Raymond the Austrian guy the attacker. oh man. yeah yeah guy um then fourth round a cornerback again showing my Penn State bias Tariq Castro Fields okay yep uh fifth round was Tanner Connor uh, sixth round Jack Sunborn, big bruiser out of Wisconsin. Yeah, I like him. Yep. And then the last round, Connor Haywood for his flex- again for position flexibility, like you said earlier, with his tight end wide receiver, and also keeps uh, Cam happy as well. It's funny when you get a trade and then you start to immediately go into your biases, right? Like, yeah. I think that
0: that's just really funny how it naturally I did the same thing. It's just funny when you go, Oh, okay, cool. I've got another pick here. And this is how I, I do think teams sort of look at it as well. They go, Got another pick. I'm picking later. I can almost afford to take a flyer on, on on some things. And you see, like, there are some picks that Cincinnati made last year, you know, like some of the tackle, like Carson. Uh, I think it's Carson, the tackle that they got, um, or came in the tackle that they got. You know, there, are some, there was some O-line in different spots. Even the Steelers, you look at, like, Buddy Johnson. They had a fourth yeah. pick, right? They got Dan Moore and Buddy Johnson. I think Dan Moore was their actual pick, and then their other pick was, like, You get Buddy Johnson or trading the the fourth round for the next year to get back into the fifth, to get louder milk Um, from my perspective. So I did a trade. I got offered a trade by the uh, Kansas city chiefs and they, so that I moved back to 29 and I also got the 94th pick. Now I got offered three different sets and some of them were multiple picks, but this had the highest first round pick that I was being offered and it had the – so second highest, but it had the highest next pick that I was offered. So I got 29 and 94. So I thought, you know, an extra pick in the top 100, you know, just outside the third round, perfect. Um, so the Chiefs picked da- Daxton Hill. So he yeah. went where you had him with um with our, one of our other mock drafts. Yeah, And then I – so these were my picks, and i love you to re- react to them as I go through, Owen. So yeah. I picked um, Jamison Williams – Jameson oh, wow. Williams, sorry, at 29, he fell that late. You know the thing about Jameson Williams is he's probably not ready six months into the season. If I I took it from the mindset, they could still go get a veteran wide receiver, but that if they did that, that's incredible value at 29. Steeler fans, you get you know five years with him. If he plays a little bit this year, great. Even if he red shirts, he can learn the NFL process, yeah. and learn the routes, learn what it's like to be in the locker room. Get back healthy, and then we've got a lights out wide receiver. Yep. So I couldn't, I couldn't bypass him at BPA at like the 13th ranked player on their um on the PFN's list at 29. I then went and picked Travis Jones at 52, get better yep, on that up. interior line, consistent there. Uh Martin Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State. Yep. Um, someone's been on my radar. I know the Steelers has been talking to him, so that seemed like a logical fit too. This is where I got. This is what allowed me to get Travis Jones at fifty two. Is that I knew I had ninety four, and I knew that one of those linebackers, like a Beavers or a um, uh, Anderson um, or a couple of the other guys, I'm having a mental blank there, were available. So I picked Channing Tindall out of Georgia. There right. at ninety
1: four. I love. That'd be a great pick. That'd be a fantastic pick.
0: <laughs> so I thought, why not the value there? I then went and got uh, Cam Juergens at 138. I yep. stayed consistent there. You know, i beefed out cornerback wide receiver linebacker. I've addressed all the needs except for quarterback yep. there, so why not? I then went and got Amari Barno, so similar pick yep. um, to where you had him there, uh, 208. I then went and picked Jakari Robeson, uh, which is a not on many people's radar, might be on yours. I went after listening to some of my shows, um, you know, Ranked really low with PFN, ranked much higher with the draft network. Yeah, but he's a guy that can extend the field. He's a guy that runs a four, 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 five, 40 yard time, lots of experience. Why not? Um, although you know, he may be available as UDFA. Uh, and then I, well, my final pick was Connor Haywood. But yeah. if you, if that this
1: was their draft, how would you, how would you be feeling with that? Alan? That's a decent, that's a decent draft. That I mean. You have got Jameson Williams there. I mean, I know, like he's, he's got the injury, but this guy's got. I mean, he's got potential to be like a Tyreek Hill. He's that quick. He he he'd be, he be he would be a light side. he'd Be like a Jamar Chase something like that. Yeah, that'd be quite. Cool. That would be, that'd be happy with that. And Channing, getting Channing Tyndall as well would be fantastic. I think that'd be sort of that beast we need in the middle that we've been missing now for this sort of last season. That sort of I think was part of the reason why the run defense was so poor. So yeah, definitely. That was a good draft there, (laughs) mate. Jeez. I thought you'd like that one. I liked your draft too. I liked some of the names
0: on there as well. Um, so that wraps up some of those mock drafts, but I guess the takeaway, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it as well, Owen, and then I think we're probably going to wrap up the show, but you know, doing these mock drafts, with the parameters that I gave you, I I don't know who you, you usually run your mock drafts through. Um, how did you find like any takeaways you got by doing two different trial and two different systems so close together, different rankings um, and then even factoring in a trade did, did change any perceptions you have about
1: how the draft might fall. Yeah, I think I usually use uh PFN anyway, but yeah, I think so. using the draft ne- draft network, it's interesting to see the 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 vast differences at times in where people are placed it on those two on those two platforms. So you know, it could be a, ten- a telling sign as to where teams have got them placed. I mean, Derion Kendrick's a classic one. I think he's rated a lot higher on Draft Network than he is on PFN, for example. Um, Ridder, I think, has moved up a lot on PFN, but has still stayed further down on Draft Networks. So it's really interesting to see how there's that vast difference between the two of them. And that might give you sort of an insight as to how the teams are thinking as well. And like you said, anyone could be available come the second, third, fourth round, even people you wouldn't expect to be there. Um, Trade wise, I I think the Steelers will stay where they are. I think trade wise. Yeah, I do too. I I do think that
0: there's more teams that want to move up than what's been covered. And I like what you said there about the discrepancies between the two, because, and you've also got to understand the background to it. Like PFM kind of react to the rankings. like They adjust them based on what they're hearing a lot and, and you know, what, how people go in the senior bowl or what have you. Whereas the draft networks sit there and go, we've, we've, we've graded these guys. And they act more like a scouting department. We've graded these guys over multiple years. we watch their tape and they give them a grade out of a hundred. So it's, you know, um, 80 is the benchmark to get into round two. 85, I think it is, is the benchmark to get into round one. And so, it, it, that, that's where they start to rank, you know, so when you do their predictive board, they align it a bit to need, but it's also on the ranking of the position. So it, it, it's it's that's where I always find it interesting because it's it's almost somewhere in the middle it's going to mm. fall. Now, PFN was a bit more accurate last year, but it said it's basing them on how it's reacting as the league goes, not necessarily the tape. And, rather, and I think a fun experiment for me over the next few years, and it will take a few years, is to sit back and go, well, Yes, PFN might have got it right with how the, how, the, how the rankings, you know, how the draft actually rolled out. But how did those go, guys go as prospects? And, mm. and, you know, how the draft network ranked them and, and graded them, how did that go over time? Because they care about it. They measure it over five years and they, yeah. you know, have a, a grading system within their own team about who does well over the five-year period, not just who predicts the draft, right? But look, with that, that wraps up this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. Um Owen thank you very much for being on the show it's been an absolute pleasure and I, I love you, doing mate. this and this is something that um you and I have talked you know talked to this sort of stuff for a while you talk about this in your shows and
1: live chats as well um do you have anything you'd like to plug that you're that you're doing at the moment Yeah just um my I've I've sort of put a lot of effort into my YouTube work at the moment so I've got my channel Britsburg going voice from across the pond so I'm trying to push out uh, one video, one short video a day talking different elements of Steelers. So I've just put one out today about Heinz Ward and why he should be in the hall of fame. So yeah, people would go across and check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. That'd be fantastic.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and gut feel right now. Who are the,
1: who are the Steelers taking peak number 20? Oh, I haven't, do you know what? I actually haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> That's the I'm right answer. Say- That's actually the right answer. I just you know last year everyone knew it was Najee if he was available but I genuinely yeah. think this year I haven't got a clue I think if a quarterback falls like Ridder like Corral I think that's all they'll take because there seems to be a, a lot of interest in the quarterbacks this year from Tomlin Colbert and everyone in the top brass really
0: yeah I'd be pretty upset if they drafted Matt Corral but you know um I'm not uh I'm not in that Steelers War room, I like to think I am sometimes, <laughs> but, I'm not, but I'm not. Um, but Owen, thank you very much. Thank you, Matthew. still fans. Enjoy the week. There's going to be a lot more from prospects, there may be some more free agent signings. You're going to see more visits. Um, don't get too wrapped up in the hype. Not everyone, people can't visit everywhere. You don't know what they're doing on Zoom. Remember, they drafted a lot of people over Zoom, uh, during the COVID years as well. I mean, it's still, generally, you know, in the, we're in the COVID years, but it's you know, a bit back to normal from the draft perspective. Keep an open mind. There are guys like your cam Jogens that you know you might not be familiar with now. You might not be familiar because he's not been across national media. It doesn't mean that he can't be a great player. Um, but with that, that's this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under.
1: Stop and check